Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Introducing the greatest animated series you've never seen, Lightning Dogs. These canine commandos are lost on a post-apocalyptic Earth and battling the forces of the evil Glampire. It's a tribute to the cartoons and sci-fi of the 80s and 90s, and Nerdy Show is hell-bent on bringing it to life. Blocks sold separately. Join us as we document our quest from the moment lightning struck to every world-building session and beyond and make our crazy dream a reality. Roll with the pack at lightningdogs.com. The following program is presented by the Nerdy Show Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by the generous support of listeners like you. To learn how you can support this and other fine geek programming, visit nerdyshow.com. All right, guys, so welcome to the 13th design episode of rpg from scratch and if you've been listening this long you are a saint and we really appreciate you so we've got a bunch of stuff to go over today and some stuff that we'll probably end up having to save for later there's there's a lot here and i I don't really know what to start with first so i guess let's start with things that we're going to put off which i think is path concepts yeah, that, that can that that can always wait. <laughs> right, but we uh, but but we should. But let's let's let, let's put it out there for the listeners. Mm-hmm. Let's tell our listeners that we're not ignoring you. <laughs> like we are also thinking about this, but we we feel like we need to focus on other stuff at the moment. So things that are worthy of a full path. Mm-hmm. All right, I had this concept for something like a conduit, where you take damage of a type, you return it of a type, you augment an ally to do double their damage on your turn instead of you doing damage and you change things you dispel counterspell reflect that kind of thing i think that's a full path like there's a lot of cool shit you can do with that and it's fun because i think it has the feel of a straight arcane spellcaster in other systems yeah you're a blue deck yeah but with yeah but with like (laughs) with a lot more fun and purposefully versatile in rpgs that focus where all the magic is ritual based Uh this person who wants to play this class has a lot of fun but the amount of prep work they have to do ahead of time is enormous yeah whereas if we can make some of this reactive counterspells especially if if it's its own path then i i feel like that could be really fun well and it also deals with i think a thing that is a slight problem which is that our spellcasters sometimes feel a little outgunned or a little a little less able to like just jump into things or splash things mm-hmm. and this one you know if you're an ice mage or a decay mage or even or even something like radiance or maybe even a, a fighter you could just splash the null or or the the counter spell caster or whatever we're going to call it yeah and do a lot of fun stuff and add a lot of versatility getting reflect as a shield bearing citadel would be dope it would be insane we removed the shadow servant uh-huh. from decay because things you can do with shadows could be an entire class. Yeah. More, even more than just a servant. Like you can yeah. just, the things you can do with shadows. Would you be could really evil cool. Peter Pan that real easy. It'd be fun. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, dark link, you know? <laughs> and I feel like that we should explore that later. That, yeah. that, that could be a really fun class thing to dip into. Uh, also beast master. Mm-hmm. That, that's, that's an archetype that's, classically been put on hunters and rangers yes i think divorcing it from that base is good yeah i think just focusing on the beast mastery elements of that that only involve your relationship with an animal and how you play off of yeah. each other ha- hagrid went one more he weren't no well, ranger dude no. well, i was also gonna <laughs> well, say he's kind of, he's kind of he crossbow yeah he, he goes out in the woods yeah but he's cross-classing into that yeah yeah and and i feel that's true for he's even definitely a <laughs> A bard or a cleric or something. <laughs> but like. but also, he's got a little bit of Citadel in him. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's a tank. He's a tank. Yeah. And even Beastmaster from Beastmaster would be like champion Beastmaster. I think, yeah, he's almost scoundrel. Like, yeah. He's 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 crafty. Like yeah. Dr. Doolittle. Dr. Doolittle? Beastmaster. Straight Beastmaster. Straight Beastmaster. Straight Beastmaster. core Beastmaster. Core Step Beastmaster. one Beastmaster. Yeah. Step two Beastmaster. Exactly. <laughs> All right, so let's think that, that, that direction. Dr. Doolittle. Dr. Doolittle. Yeah, yeah, for that. Yeah, okay. I like that. So in that same vein, Druid. Yes. 
That is not a Beast Mastery class. And I think that animal companionship that has been attached to Druidism is same as Ranger. I think remove that. If you want an animal companion... Step you, one, Beastmaster. You go Beastmaster. Yeah. That's what step one, Beastmaster should be, yeah, is animal right. companion. Yeah. However, druids, things like wild shape, transforming yourself into mm, things... Mm. Or, or remember the warden from 4th edition? The bramble you Become a bark-skinned tank. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, and lots of controlling nature to bend to your will. Having nature augment yourself, perhaps. Yeah, like, like yeah. so shamanry druidic disciplines those things can be bundled together yeah. in like a nature style path dirt, and I, dirt wizard and yeah it, and it meets the two requirements that i think Soil we should dug. <laughs> it's the thing i think we should always think about when we're if we're going to start making new paths or or adding paths it needs to do two things which is one be able to stand on its own and two you need to be able to dip into it and have other things dip into it and have it make sense yeah and like citadel druid sounds tight sounds great uh fire druid could be awesome but i also think we we don't call it druid maybe like path of nature command or path of shamanry or something like that shaman is kind of cool yeah but i think i think think nature is closer to what we're talking about also shaman has connotations that are you know in its denotation yeah Yeah. there's there's probably a word out there because so does druid druid has that problem too where we're like yeah in D &D, we know exactly D &D, world of warcraft rpgs we know exactly what it means however outside of that druid means gallic and and i think why that's why we went scoundrel other than rogue rogue is a specific thing scoundrel is a little broader yeah Mm -hmm. is han solo a rogue in the way that we think about him in D &D? no not at all but he's a scoundrel He 100 percent fits the scoundrel archetype and i could see easily building a marksman scoundrel that would be yes han solo Mm -hmm. all right here's one you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna hold this one for now (sighs) and i'll bring it up in a minute also the concept of side paths I think we're all about this, or like yes. where where maybe there's only five steps in a side path, but it does something extremely pacific, pacific, pacifically. Oh, I know. I'm thinking about it atlantically. It does something extremely atlantically that you have a character concept in mind that all you want is to get some kind of validation that it can work mechanically. These side paths are just mm-hmm. to give you just enough tools to make sure that's true without gimping you. Yeah. So the ones we talked about are pugilism, which is unarmed fighting. Yeah. Monk, brawler. You could build a lot Wrestler, of cool... Grappler. Yeah. Yeah, all of it. Well, I guess the term pugilism doesn't imply grappling, but... Prize fighter. We'll throw it in there. Yeah. Yeah. But maybe maybe that's three steps. I don't know. Maybe three yeah. to five, something like that. I don't think it takes much to change a champion into a pugilist. No. Or, 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 even... or a citadel into a, a heavyweight. Or yeah. a scoundrel, even if you're a rough oh. and tumble, you know. Oh yeah, you come into a bar him. brawler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You come up behind him with a garrote, yank him, yeah. throw him on the ground, or or even him. unarmed sneak attacks. Those are things mm. that works. Sucker punches suck. It's rear naked choke. Yeah, sneak attack. You run up behind him, grab him, fall on the ground, choke him out. Right, donkey punch. <laughs> <laughs> I want to call it doggy punch. <laughs> I want to call it donkey punch. That'll be an ability you get. You, that's, you don't see that one coming. Hang, like, on, hang on. You, you, you resist You this. hate pocket sand. You resist you love. so much on pocket sand. I was making a joke, just like, but now you're saying we're keeping that one. No, we are, because like, that's, the, that's the flavor I like, Doug. Is there any one that you, you turn down ever? Like, is there any joke oh, that yeah. gets thrown out? You're like, no, there's, that's can't. That's there's, too some, much. there's some things that are almost like too fan service where I'm like, no, get the fuck out. Like, King of the Hill isn't... King literally, the, literally quoting King of the Hill is not too fan servicey. No, but what what is? Give me an example of what's uh, too fan servicey. Like, probably all according to Keikaku is probably too fan servicey. <laughs> but I feel, but it's going to stay as long as I can yeah. keep it in. As long uh, as Max, yeah. <laughs> as long as, as long as I can use it to torture Max because it's in his list of abilities. Yeah, <laughs> I have a bad feeling about this. Would be too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. that's yeah. when you say pocket sand. There's going to be one guy in a group of ten going like, <laughs> I want that. So another one is dueling so like the duelist of like you pick somebody similar to like a champion's challenge Mm -hmm. but you would get a bonus against not being hit by them you'd get a bonus against if nobody else is close to them that kind of thing that could be just a small little side path and that would completely change the way that you play your character exactly but you've also it puts you into a character concept so maybe maybe none of these character concepts are things that have a core yeah Mm. Ooh, i like that a lot yeah well that makes it simple just steps Mm. yeah all right, cool. So I, I think that one's pretty self-explanatory. Dueling, yeah. like you're, you're one-on-one. Firearms. 
Because how do you? I'm core firearms. It's like that. Does, yeah, what no. Is that? no, I'm is core it, marksman. Yeah. I use guns. Yes. Yeah. They, well, yeah. There you go. You just answer or, it. Like I'm core fire. I also carry a pistol. <laughs> I'm core firearms. I just build them. I don't. I don't shoot them. I'm a pacifist. Like I just make or, a business. You're like Captain America in the first Captain. Well, not the first one, but Captain America, the first Avenger of the current yeah. Marvel yeah, yeah. <laughs> comics, where he runs him with a pistol and a shield. Yeah. Which is dope. Yeah. That, that could work. Another one, alchemy. Now that we're starting to get into what does the profession of alchemy do, Yes, I feel like there's a lot of fun shit for throwing bombs and potions and making aerosolized poisons and that kind of thing could be really fun. I, there's tons of alchemist archetypes, but they all have some extra thing like, oh, you can create a secondary companion. You can do yeah. like all these things. Yeah. I, I say leave all that out. If you want to just do the alchemy, you want you want to make another companion, you can do Beastmaster. Yeah, because because Beastmaster Alchemist actually might be really cool. (laughs) Because we are uh, taking venom out of snakes and shit. Oh my god, that's awesome! Sorry, sorry. No, 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 no. no, I was I was stopping because I wanted you to continue. Because we focus so easily on multiclassing, we don't have to bundle things together. You can take that if you want it. Well, and we we've had that conversation a couple times, just like figuring out what an extra path is. We're like, that's a cool ability, and we're like, but is that what Citadel is and represents, or is that just nope. something that's useful? Yeah. Well, and you when you're file doing, it away, you're yeah. doing different modules. Like if you're doing one in the future, you just either add a new set or you remove other sets. You know what I mean? It's like you could, yeah. yeah just I like, mean, like like version two point or whatever. Yeah. Scoundrel could fit in a lot of settings. Well, that but yeah, just I'm as not a general yeah. like a dude a dude with a knife works in a surprising amount of places right i just mean like i think think what you would do for instance if you have a setting that takes place in a sci-fi or modern setting marksman is no longer about bows you say hey listen when you address the marksman class here's what changes yeah these descriptions change in this way and then you create a couple new paths and side paths for that setting citadel might not work or you create a a reason for it to work because it uses a different object or something let's not worry about that now but you know i I just meant that in other like a futuristic setting you just have a new side path like robotics yeah you could just computers oh yeah yeah. and you just keep the main cores but you just flavor text it differently and then just all like it's like a new module isn't all new rules it's Mm -hmm. just here's new side uh well here's the thing instead of calling them modules because that could mean a lot of different things so D D uses the term adventures pathfinder calls them adventure paths let's just call them campaigns yeah right like you get a campaign we'll tell you we'll tell you how far it should take you once we understand how far things get Mm -hmm. yeah based on what we've played i do immediately think our rule system is more flexible well here's the thing so i i just started a recent adventure path with pathfinder and in that adventure path and this is true of DD as well they'll introduce like a rule set specific to that adventure path so uh-huh. the one i'm playing right now our listeners might be familiar with curse of the crimson throne it introduces the concept of the harrow deck which is like a tarot deck and it gives a framework for the dm to randomly pull cards and it has like a prophetic meaning oh that's awesome yeah, it's fun but it's specific to that campaign and there are feats that you only gain in that adventure path and weapons that you can choose at character creation to be proficient in that are specific to that adventure path because of the exact place where your characters are expected to start. Um, and, and also, they give you things like traits. And it helps with the flavor of the whole thing. Yes. For instance, when we're playing, there's a bad guy at the beginning of the game who everybody in the party is expected to have beef with. And they will give you, I think there's five traits, and each one is a plot hook. So you'd say, oh, you're missing a kid, or you have been betrayed by this guy. And they each give you a mechanical bonus to things in the game. Ooh, I like that. It's a good system. But I feel like they are limited in ways of what they can allow for characters that we are not. We can do lots of creative shit for campaign-specific side paths and all that weapons shit. character bonuses like you get to you take you take this trait you get this thing it would spells, be like a forgotten spell of uh, some kind it would like, be trivial yeah. for us to introduce a race that you can play yeah for a campaign yeah, yeah. i want raccoon people so in fact, I, I know you've already decided <laughs> they're in they're you in my campaign be sly cooper they're in my to, campaign you no. want to do a sly cooper uh campaign no i just love the i love the phrase we're talking about what would be our goblins raccoons and then was it max or you that just said there already are goblins (laughs) (laughs) it was like you're right they just are goblins in our real world and we're just okay with it you see them steal the cat food yeah run away with (laughs) their hands hands, little hands (laughs) you're like that's a goblin that's a wash bear yeah illusion Ooh, i could see that being a side path but 
keep that in your heads. I'm going to table that because I bring it up again later. All right. And also the idea of mixing magics. So the idea of having a path that would grant you bonuses for switching between different magics on the fly. The Todoroki path? Got it. Yeah, basically. So, like, if you hit multiple enemies, it will give you a bonus to ice damage. Yeah. If you hit, like, whatever, it'll... If you, if you slow someone, you get extra fire damage or, or malediction exactly. damage. If you use decay magic, you get a bonus to... You get a plus one to hit with ice and a plus two to damage with fire. Like, something that just bridges the gap a little easier as, like, a three to five step side path. It would be amazing. That would be so easy. Do we want to make it that specific or just, you know, there's a, a two-step combo of one kind of magic, different kind of magic, you get a bonus. Oh, no, you got three. You get a bonus. Oh, no, you have all four now. You get a bonus. Because that I, would be weird at that point, but also really cool. And you'd have to invest a lot of time into doing it. I think we do make it that specific because at every point that somebody wants to take a step down another uh-huh. path, they have a bunch of other options available yeah. to them. And if they really want to focus on that, it should be rewarded, but not overpowered. So I think we do focus. We, we tell them, like, these are the specific benefits you get. That's for, like, magic super nerds. We allow for that to exist. Mm-hmm. My first question outside of side paths is, uh-huh. we removed Shadow Servant from Decay. Yes. How do we feel about necromancy being a component of Decay? I'm into that. I think that works. I mean, you would... I could I could see an argument for why you'd keep it as a separate class, but I think if you fold it in like further enough down that path, like decay is the mm-hmm. is the path to necromancy. Yeah, like that's you know because I would imagine. So the argument against it, in my head, the best argument against it is if you're trying to destroy things through entropy, how would you create a new thing? And I would say your mastery over death allows you to create creatures that embody it. Right, that embody death. So an undeath, which I think we don't create a separate subclass undeath like undead is not a kind of creature if that makes sense like when you it, it, I well think then we, if you're then if you're doing like radiance or no not radiance um what's yeah. our paladin equivalent is it is it radiance radiance zealotry. and zealotry yeah. so yeah so like if you're undeath is not natural death can be natural undeath is not natural therefore i declare war on everything undead right i think we abandon that just the whole thing? Yeah, I think that's fine. That's already in D&D and Pathfinder as clerics and paladins smite undead and mm-hmm. or turn undead. As my cleric and Pathfinder, my channel energy will just nova groups of undead. It would uh-huh. be disgusting. I think the creatures created by necromancy in our setting are not undead. They are flesh monsters created from the raw components. Yeah, they're, they're Frankenstein. Right, so maybe we have like so. So they are alive in a sense, but, but unnatural. O- only maintained by the magic exerted by the decay. Mage. So the magic—they're just puppets. Yes, they are completely dead, but the magic is just what's making them move. Yes, okay. they're animated. Well, yeah, they're they're not dead. They're reanimated, but not undead in the sense of like zombies and vampires right. and that kind of. There's thing. no like self autonomy. It's no. just because if as soon as the magic's gone, they just fall back down dead. And, right, and I think a way to mechanically reinforce that idea is that so for instance in the way it works in pathfinder if you want to make a necromancer cleric you raise that creature that died and Mm -hmm. then you apply a template that removes things like its intelligence and that kind of thing you can create intelligent and undead but that's its own separate template but it retains a certain amount of its own strength and its own mm-hmm. whatever. Have, I say. Have any of you been watching Castlevania season two? No, no, I haven't. Done There's that a yet. character that is like a. They call him like a forge master, and they bring bodies to him, and he just takes this like magic hammer and he starts like banging on like the table, like this giant stone table. It's causing like sparks, like if you're trying to like ignite a fire, yeah. and it just starts igniting this like glowing fire inside the monsters. He's reanimating them. He's kind of a necromancer, but yet it's almost it's almost. I bring it up because it's almost exactly what you're describing. And it just is exciting because it's like I already know exactly how to play that. So Wait. it's uh, uh well, well. My 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 thinking was is that a decay mage would not look at this body as oh we just killed something powerful, so let me resurrect it under my control. It is look at all this raw material. Yeah, yes. yeah. And let's I'm gonna reshape it into one of the three to five things I can reshape it into. My flesh golem. It's like, yeah. Like, I'm really good at Lego, and these are all just pieces. Yes. So the templates could be based on, it doesn't matter how powerful it was in life at all. It matters how much mass it had. And from that, what you could turn it into. I like that. 
it's at least a good twist on it. it makes it interesting right so now it's not an undead creature that's it's soulless reanimated whatever it's was this a large enough creature to create a large undead that has these strengths and these weaknesses or can i create 15 small ones with this strength and this weakness i think 15 is too many to manage but I you know very yeah, much yeah, so yeah, yeah. five would be a lot yeah well you'd have to make let's say something small would be so complex yeah. that it would take a lot of material to make it correctly or just a lot of a lot of your concentration to maintain even yeah so i think i, I want to throw that idea out to you guys to think about that because necromancy is I'm thinking is almost like the Zimichi in Vampire the Masquerade, where they are flesh crafters. They deal with raw material. Yeah. Not raising the dead and putting their souls into purgatory. Like, it has nothing to do with that. It's mm-hmm. just, I got this raw material. It has to be extremely fresh. Like, maybe we could put a rule on it. Something killed within the last 60 seconds. You can start. Well, I think it would be more than 60 seconds, but... Whatever limit we decide to put on it. Yeah. Like, it has to have just When does happened. rigor mortis set in? Oh, well, I would think... Rigor mortis is is way. That's, that's the magic like, twelve saying, hours. I'm the magic that's is way, what I'm, moves you. I'm saying it's, that's no, but even still, like that is ruined flesh. Like by the time rigor mortis is setting in, no, that that, is, well, that's not true either. Rigor mortis, I think it takes twelve hours to set in, and another twelve hours to go away, and you're still not rotten. I think it needs to happen sooner than that. Okay, like I, I even think sixty. Like the battle ends, it's dead. You need to start work immediately. Okay. If that makes sense. For for it to be at least easy. Yeah, you can't come across a corpse in the woods. And be like, okay. Yeah, like, I'll raise it. No, that's not how it works. <laughs> like, you, you, need it, you need immediate access to it. Almost like finding a car that's been abandoned in the woods. Exactly. You know, it's yeah. like, this is all fucking rust Can't drive bucket. it away. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but if okay. someone left the keys running in it, you know, like, the keys are in it and the engine's still running, you can hop in and dig it off, you know. So let's, let's put that out in the ether and we'll revisit that. Uh, maybe... Maybe we can move it into step three as a utility where they can start doing things like the uh, scoundrel for traps. Like that, that'll be the thing. But let's not worry about it. We've got a good step three to deal with now. We can change it later if we need to. Small stuff before we get into big stuff. I want to change the term vector mm-hmm. to ray. All right. Because other RPGs use the term ray. The terms that we use for the abilities that are vectors use the word ray. Ray. And I feel like people are. We'll, we'll just let that terminology do the work for I, us. I do. I do want to say a thing. I think we need to change one of the names of Burning Lance and Burning Ray. We need to change one of those for, to remove burning, just because it's too similar. <laughs> it bothers me. Okay. Well, let's change. And I know it's super minor. No, it's not. But <laughs> because it comes up a lot, because we have somebody who, who uses one and somebody who uses another, and Flaming, that will not burning. be blazing, blazing. Um, let's do blazing as radiance or inferno ray or inferno. I don't know. You can be like glittering or scorching. No, it's still fiery, man. That's still, that's still heavy. Dazzling. Ooh. Scintillating. Sexy. Sizzling. Penitent ray. <laughs> let's use dazzling for now. I feel like that actually does the. Give me the old razzle dazzle. Command core and marksman core each need one small thing. Just, right. a, just a little twist. Okay. That will really round them out. I think for command, we give them something like a lay on hands. A one time one one time per encounter. Daily. Ooh, okay. Not counted in the daily count? It's not an attack. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So it is a swift action. Once per day, they can look at somebody's wounds and help them realize that they're not that hurt. Okay. They have to touch them, but it brings them up to full health. I feel like... That gives command the extra bonus to where somebody's like, well, uh, we've got a healer, but do we have enough? Yeah. I feel like command could use something like that. How do you guys good, feel? Works good in a pinch. Like when, if your healer goes down, it's like, fuck, then you can run over and Now it's only in core. So yeah. you got, you do yeah, still have yeah. to plan ahead. Yeah. Okay. I feel like that is enough. That is not too big of a bonus, but big enough of a bonus that would, if I was torn between core command and something else, that could be potentially be the thing that makes me decide on that one marksman so what marksman has in its core is cover fire where when an ally misses with an opportunity attack you can make a free attack which is good but not as common as it sounds yes Uh, especially not if your enemy is very intelligent or you have someone with citadel who even if they get to make a lot of them they get bonuses and they hit a lot yeah exactly you'll only get it if they get an opportunity attack and And they they miss. miss yeah and we get plus one to all range attacks it's great I don't want to change that at all. I don't think it should be a plus two. I think plus one is enough. Uh-huh. 
and they get suppressive fire, which is a area attack where they just launch a volley of arrows. They need one little twist. Just one more thing that makes them worthwhile. Is, is there an encounter and an at-will in core usually, or just... No. Okay. Maybe an at-will, then, you thinking? I'm almost saying something defensive. I I think that you're on the right track there. Yeah, because those are all offensive and position... Like, offensive and your position to terminate. Secondary idea, while you think about that. What if being core marksman removes the strength requirement for any range weapon? Ooh, I do like that. Or reduces it by two. That's nice. Two two is enough. Yeah, because if you remove it entirely, then it's just like... What? Yeah, it's a little uh, picking up a trebuchet and putting it on your shoulder. Like, you know, like... Yeah. <laughs> removes the requirement, I could do it. Like, you know, it's... Um, well, what's the highest strength requirement? Longbow is two. So maybe you reduce it by one. Yeah. That might be enough. Reminds me when I was... when Hey, shit, when the first game I played when Liam was DM... And we were trying to build my character I never played before. And you're like, oh, if you do this, 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 then you can use a superior crossbow. I'm like, that sounds like a good idea. <laughs> and exactly. Then, yeah. And it became the shit, you know? So. Okay. Your goblin sniper. I I loved him. I still love him. I hated him. <laughs> he was great. His name was Grog. He did so yeah. much fucking damage. Yeah. All of the... T- Even fun. when you didn't use sneak attack, you did decent damage. It yeah. was infuriating. Oh, so much fun. And anything I built couldn't see you. It was... It was I couldn't, I couldn't yeah. get someone well, smart that was, enough to That was see a you. perfect storm, though. <laughs> I know. Because, because uh, yeah. we made that Rube Goldberg machine of just like... Uh, I'll never forget being on the Bloody Mage, which before it was named such... And just making that fucking conveyor belt of death, you know? Yeah. Like, so for listeners who don't know, I in 4th edition, I played a 14-year-old warlord, human, who used a, a reach... son of a bitch. Yeah, reach yeah. weapon. Uh, and we stole a boat by killing everybody on it that was full of mages. Yeah, but they were all bad. <laughs> we assume. And, <laughs> one one uh, of them was perfectly fine. Yeah. <laughs> Only one, though. The routine was that I would stand behind the Minotaur Barbarian, who had Executioner... If somebody was prone, he dealt five extra damage flat. And Doug's character, Grog, was a goblin rogue sniper who would do a sneak attack once per round. Yes. If he had not yet done sneak attack, I would grant him the shot so that he would deal sneak attack. Which was two die eight because you got... Yeah, you had a bonus. Backstabber because you're an asshole. But if he had, I would trip them and then let the Minotaur take the... You would trip them and then sometimes even... Shove them. Shove them to the Minotaur. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd be like... Plink, slam, slice, <laughs> yeah. over and over and over. Just push him. Playing shuffleboard with mages. Yeah, push that him. that wasn't even the most infuriating fight. Well, so also uh, because <laughs> he was, well, yeah. But also because he, Doug's character was a goblin and a rogue. If he moved, more, if someone missed with an attack, on he me, would he would get to shift, which is like disengage as a free action. Yeah. But if he moved twice in one round. He can make a sneak check again to remain hidden. So what would happen is all the time... With like would, a 12 bonus, too. Yeah, if it people would focus sick. on him, they would miss, miss, he would immediately go invisible. Yeah. Poof. <laughs> just, you were just <laughs> like, like, ah, I'd be like, ah, fuck, and then I'd disappear. Because yeah. he's a short little guy, too, just so it, just, it was perfect. Arrow Batman. You were like, yeah, yeah you were Green Arrow. Yeah. Just poof. Like, where is he? Who fuck knows? He's yeah. gone. So, but, Coming in to murder me in my own tent. I'm like, you know who the fuck I am in the middle of the night? <laughs> like, I, you were the only one who woke up, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway. All right. I feel good about these two changes. So Command gets like a lay on hands ability uh-huh. where they're like, get up, you know, walk it off, whatever. Marksman removes one from the strength requirement of any ranged weapon. Yeah, because if you're going core, yeah. you know, may as well. Okay. We brought this up last design episode. Does magical damage from weapons multiply with abilities that multiply weapon damage? So, for instance, something that does like pinning shot with marksman does two weapon damage uh-huh. if it does d6 fire because you've added a fire enchantment or magical item mm-hmm. to that bow does that double as well this is the dependent when do you start getting serious magical items i think well serious is a weird term when do you get damaging magical items i think immediately then no you okay. just go with whatever the higher damage is it can't be automatic because if you're core in step one there's a couple two weapon damage abilities helmet splitter get. is three yeah. weapon damage already yeah that's ridiculous yeah like adding a 3d6 to that makes a good ability on like yeah then i can't like because you as, wouldn't you as wouldn't... a mage you cannot touch that fucking damage well because also nesbit our scoundrel yeah has helmet splitter He's step one champion. If you gave him 3d6, he, he will choose to do helmet splitter every time. Well, and that makes helmet splitter, even with someone who has a one-handed hammer, that's now better than my daily no matter what. 
So I think let's think about augmented magical damage as something that can progress. I'm and, into and, that. And then let's let's divorce it from weapon damage. So it your weapon will do that damage, but the way it progresses is not linked to weapon damage or abilities. No. It's okay. like the weapon just has a flat damage potential and then the magic is what can take it up to the stratosphere after that. Right. Like so you could get potentially a fire enchant that does 3d8 mm-hmm. just pie in the sky like theory yeah that's crafting. that's like end end game right. you have yeah, yeah, yeah. the fire sword it does an extra 3d8 right and but you get a ability that does four weapon damage well it's fine you're going to choose to do that and your 3d8 yeah not four weapon damage plus 12d8 that would be ridiculous oh, that'd be so much yeah You'd just be like uh Okay. He's like, I don't have nine D eight. <laughs> Everyone just <laughs> toss it in. Just real toss me or boys like, again. We just did this last round. <laughs> in that same vein, what about malediction? Does malediction multiply as it progresses? How do we increase malediction's effect? Maybe by things that are termed buff and debuff mm-hmm. in decay. Is that core or step one? Core. That makes it difficult. It makes it complicated. However, if we designate it as a debuff, decay gets things that augment debuffs. Yes. Then malediction is accounted for. Count as a debuff then. Mm-hmm. Give me a scenario. So you're fighting a group of monsters, and you cast malediction on three of them. Everyone else has gone seven steps. So have you. Malediction currently does 1d6 extra damage whenever you deal damage. They will have been getting abilities that augment extra damage constantly. You haven't. You've gotten extra abilities that spread malediction. You've got abilities that do more damage and extra debuffs to add to enemies. But a way to keep malediction competitive and worth your time would be to give you things down the path of decay that just augment all debuffs, malediction being one of them. So it might add another D6 as a feature to your debuffs. I think it would be easier to add a flat. Like just DOT? Yeah. For every step you take or something? Or so, so every time a feature comes up, that would be a you, feature. Anytime you deal damage with... This is just spitballing because we're not that far yet. Anytime you deal damage with debuff, you get to add your dexterity yeah. as well. Or, 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 you, or, or you double yeah. your composure. Ooh, that would be nice. Mm. Yeah. You add your composure again. Yeah. So right now, Malediction adds no composure, but Shadow of Death does. Yes. So if you say you add your composure again... You get a D6 plus three. and You get your composure on Malediction, and then you get double composure. On Shadow of Death. On Shadow of Death. So I think that's a good way to think about how to balance it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the flat number keeps it simple. Yeah. What do you do with the other caster classes for the same reason? I don't know, but they don't have those same issues. They're not spreading the wealth in the same way. You can always give them a new ability that does more damage or True. add extra dice to their previous abilities. Yeah, or just because it's a single type of damage, you just be like... Increase fire damage by this much. Do more damage when you use ice attacks. So here's another thing. Should Shadow of Death, because we're seeing Nesbitt use it, step yeah. one step one decay, should it bypass armor? It doesn't increase in damage over time like fire or acid uh-huh. in the same way. I think maybe the answer is yes, because it's flat composure damage. Yeah. So there's may- no roll either, yeah. Yeah, there's no roll. Maybe it just bypasses armor. You do three damage or whatever your composure is. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Flavor-wise, how does how does Shadow of Death work? You create a zone of decay, of like entropy, uh-huh. and people who begin their turn in it take damage. I can see that ignoring armor. I don't think it, I think kind of treat it like poison. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a debuff. It's like you, but... it's like you poison the air almost. You know? Yeah. Like... And if we want to write something into it, we're like, oh man, this 
monster has a gas mask. Yeah. Like, how many times have you... Like, like, you can make exceptions to things, but... Right. But, like, how many times have you seen, like, in a movie or whatever, someone who has the power just to decay, like, like an E.T., when all the yeah. fucking stuff is dying around sure. you, and it's like, but I'm wearing a thick enough shirt, so it doesn't really bother me. And, like, that's, that don't <laughs> yeah, make that's sense, not really you know? a thing. I, I think I think that would be reason enough for people to go step one decay. Well, it, it so also... Nesbitt already wants step one decay because of the teleport. Yeah. And because of lifesteal. But it also makes sense flavor wise in which like you can do really good damage with decay you can just yeah. straight up right now but it doesn't seem like they have they're not getting like kamehameha attacks no right, they're right. they're much more control so allowing they them... can't even choose an area to yeah. nova like that's not no. e- that's not their deal so the idea that they get to even if we just every now and again throw them an armor ignoring attack we're like i'm going for your flesh i think it makes sense yeah I don't, there, I don't have any issue with it. And there should be things because you can't crit with it either. No, and you, there, you just cast it. Yeah. Okay. Let's let's make the change to all three of those things. Keith will be very happy. Now that we've got that, champion needs more abilities within its steps that make dual wielding worthwhile. Dope. So Nesbit is going to use helmet splitter. Yes. Because three d four is better than one d four. It's also it's even that is solid. Right. Like, let's be real. Okay. With sneak attack damage especially. But Galene is doing 3d12. Destroys. And double strength. Yes. Right? So what's the dual wielding equivalent of helmet splitter? We can even make we can even keep it as helmet splitter and then make a separate rule for dual wielding. For dual so something that's the Do we have versatile dual wielding? Can you use a sword and an axe? Oh yeah. All right. Um, then dope. Okay. The equivalent of helmet splitter for dual wielding, are we talking, it has to be applicable to both bashing, like bashing, piercing, and cutting? Yeah, so here's here's just something I'll throw out that I think mechanically is fine, is just double weapon damage, both weapons. Yeah. You have to hit with both. Like, you still have to roll each individually, but it does two weapon damage with each weapon plus your strength. I think that'll work out. And that, what is that like a daily? What is it? it's a scene? Okay. Yeah, it's a scene. It's sick. Imagine I'm using a pole hammer. Yeah, I'm doing it from two spaces away. I'm dealing two d six plus, and if I have three strength, I'm doing two d six plus six. So I'm doing with helmet splitter six d six plus six. In fact, my only complaint about it is that it is so much better than my daily. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. So the most damage you could do with dual wielding, if we just double yeah. weapon damage on each. Weapon, and you're still allowed to add your strength to each attack. Yes. The most damage you could do... What's the highest? ...would be an axe. Yeah. It's a D10. D10. So you do 4D10... Yes. ...if both hit. Mm-hmm. Which is... That's already a weakness. Less likely than... But it's more likely that you will hit. With one, yeah. And what's Galen's current one? 3D12 plus 6. I feel like that's fair. Dude, how do we feel I'm about that? I'm gonna say don't add strength modifier for dual wielding. You should, but, if because, but if you're getting stronger, shouldn't you hit harder, even with, especially with I, I, it's One of it is based on numbers, and the other one is based on, on it being kind of like more of a flurry thing, rather than a, a dedicated strike. Well, you have to roll each hit individually. Yes. So if Galene crits, she does 42 damage. If somebody dual-wielding axes crits on both attacks uh-huh. with three strength, does 46 damage. They have to crit on both. Actually, that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. That works. Right? And that that is the most damage you could possibly get. But I mean, if you add you add a strength point, so if they go three decks for strength, yeah, and then if they got a magic weapon, well, but th- but then it's individually, like mm. yeah, you know, if somebody's got and one and and that should be one of the bonuses of like I think we already did a pretty decent job of making two handers just good like right. just as good i feel if you crit if you roll two d20s you should feel fucking and you, awesome and you crit on both doing two extra damage than somebody who crit on on a two-handed weapon i'm not gonna cry about that no like, not it not <laughs> even a like little that's bit. fine so no. are we cool with changing helmet splitter yes for that, mm-hmm. that right. actually works let me look at the uh daily they get in because they get showboat showboat is i remember i love showboat we haven't gotten to see it yet no well, she's not step three. I know. There's a lot of people. Who, no, I'm the only step three, I think. Mm-hmm. Or wait, no, I'm You're step two. I'm step two. Reckless abandon. You do double weapon damage plus strength, and you enter a stance. Mm-hmm. I don't think we need to change that. 
No, that's solid. It's more about the stance than the yeah. attack. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the the attack is just makes it nice. Yeah, until the stance ends when, whenever an enemy makes an attack of opportunity against you. Is that an encounter or a daily? Daily. Your next attack gains a weapon damage until the end of your next turn. This effect stacks. So I don't feel like we need to change that at all. No, because you can do something. That can, that can be moderately good or that could be devastating. Right. I don't feel like using a one-handed versus a two-handed dramatically changes how you approach that. No. Okay. I mean, something we could change to make it better is, if we wanted to, we could change it so that it would do two weapon damage plus double strength, no matter what you had. That's solid. I actually like that change. I like that change. As a daily? Yeah. Because you're going to lead in with one arm. It's, more, it's, a, it's a concerted strike. Okay. I like that. And we'll have to keep that in mind as we look at champion going forward. I want to talk about changes to two paths cores. All right. One is zealotry, which we already made. In our last play episode, we changed it so that the renewing assault, the healing over time, went to zealotry instead of command. Yeah. And then we already talked about giving command a daily lay on lay hands on equivalent. Hands. Yeah. I think this is great because it gives zealotry freedom to even begin prayer strike. Yeah. And also heal mm-hmm. while it's doing it. Exactly. Radiance martyr is too complicated and too risky and kind of kind <laughs> for, of underpowered and and for a healer it's almost the opposite of the thing you want to do what do we so we're core radiance let's let's yeah. throw martyr out the window what do we want what does it have at core and they have an at will attack that is a area of effect heal okay or damage all right what should radiance do the like what is what's their goal the goal is to Burst with light mm-hmm. that will damage enemies and heal allies. All right. Uh, is the burst in at will? It is. All right. Well, um, it's not from there. So I'm thinking maybe an aura? Because this one, it's burst two within five, so they can, like, throw mm-hmm. it out. What about around them? Can they do something around them? Like turtle up? Like everyone around like them? Like a buffy? Maybe. maybe a buff? Maybe something? Do you want Do you want the buff to, to accentuate damage, or do you want it to be defensive? Imagine defensive. So we I talk feel about, like I feel like like healing offensive should be yeah, doc, like as the, much. There, there, there is a version of a of a doctor who'd be like, "Look, I'm going to help you by giving you a gun." Yeah, <laughs> like, but but that's not really what they. So the that's zealotry. Yeah. We <laughs> added to them a feature that if they get crit, they have a chance to blind the person who crits, uh-huh. which is a big deal. Blinding yeah. sucks. Like it, it it's hurt. massive. Yeah, yeah it, it's terrible. Against a single big boss, that could, that would be a huge shift. Really, yeah, yeah. Right. That would be so, a very large shift. So in the context of having that now, that uh-huh. defensive thing, and the area heal or area damage, what's something? What's a core exception to the rules that they would benefit from? That the, that the player would benefit from, or that the team would benefit from if the player did both, uh, either or. Yeah, those are one. I, yeah, I feel like in any situation in this system, you're talking about both. What would make you feel like a badass without being overpowered? That's, that's what would make you feel as like like a badass as a support character because they have something that can do damage. I don't want to add another damage thing. Uh, yeah, and I also think, uh, and if, also if, so, something something dazzling that, ray is still fucking yeah. dope. Some something that how do you how do you feel like a badass like helping someone like like if you're a medic on Omaha Beach like what's the thing that you can do or shielding? Uh, she like shielding or. Here's the thing I liked about Martyr. It was unique. Maybe we can change it so that it still works. Maybe you can, as a swift action, provide shielding. And the damage done to your shields compiles until you unleash it. I like that. Instead of you taking a negative, just maybe just whatever your composure is, you can grant it as a swift action to an ally that you can touch. Okay. And that that's that is the implied risk. You have to be close enough to touch them. The banking damage that you can unleash, I'd rather be half. Your max composure is 4. 4 possible. Right. So say you shield somebody for 4. Yeah. They take 4. You, you your can, turn has to come around again. You can bank that pretty fast though. Yeah, so let's say 3 rounds go by. That's a lot of combat, right? So so most fights that we've done I think have lasted around 5 rounds. Yeah. Let's say five rounds goes by. Five times eight is 40. People have hit for 40 with encounters. Yeah. And Radiance does not have something like that. But if the player puts in enough initiative to kind of keep up on that, is that too much? So, And, and that's assuming 
absolute maximum. They've put four into composure. All right. Here's also is it is this also a weird thing? I maybe that's not too much because it's a weird thing where like with smaller parties with four or even three player parties, that's a stopgap for tanks and damage dealing. Mm-hmm. That if you're really smart about it, you can overcome a lot of things. But if you have a really good team, like if you have someone who can just like hit for 40 twice an encounter, that's not going to matter as much. But here's a way to nerf it without affecting that person's choices. What if it's after armor mitigation? So I put I put a shield of four on somebody and somebody has six armor. In order to give me the full value of what I can redirect, they have to do at least 10 damage against that person. I Okay. Yes. I like that. I like that a lot. Because if they do eight, I only get two. Yep. And they've still got two shielding. And that person then takes no damage, which makes tanks nicer. Mm -hmm. And that makes Citadel and Champions more fun, too. Mm -hmm. And a little riskier, which is good. So you're rewarded for the, the... The more you save them or shield them from, the more you are rewarded. Yes. Now, uh, and and I like the idea that you can either choose swift action, but melee touch. Like, you have to be... Be right up in the ship. You have to touch them to apply it. Do you have to stay in contact with them, or can you, like, sort of do that, then do your move action away? I think you can do that, then do your move action. And you can still bank it. That's still a force you hold within yourself. But, like, say you do that and you move away from them. And they take ten damage. They take no damage, but they've they have six armor and they've used up all your shielding. Yeah, you have to run back up to them. Yeah, and do it again. Yeah, that's risky. Yeah, do you want to try it? I think it's worth at least a try. Like, just uh, I think that's a pretty hard paradigm shift. That ability is going to change how core radiance is looked at heavily. Like, this I, well, is I a, hope this so. Is a big, this is a big change. In playtests we've done, people have like, oh, decay core, Dude, radiance step one. The idea that you would splash radiance, there, if you're, depending on what kind of melee class you are, you might just go core radiance, then straight champion just for that, which I kind of like. Yeah, I'm into that. <laughs> because into right that. now, I mean, core zealotry shits all, all over, over core yeah. radiance. Like, Not even fair. It's so good. Core champion is better than core radiance. Yes. Because of the, like it is to healing as well. That's why it's like the, the idea of the aura shielding. Like I like the mechanic of it, but is that enough? Where if I'm playing this for the first time and I'm reading that description, and I'm like, all right, well now I I really want to use it. I have to take advantage, but I have to plan ahead for it. But what's like the what's an immediate thing you can give them? Dude, that's like so so here's I, my I he, almost think we can't. Here's a situation case that I think if if you are somebody who thinks this way, you will value. So I'm I'm only speaking. I'm a min maxer. If I look at that description now, I see that. If I get crit, the GM gets punished. Yeah. I have an area heal. Now I have an ability that I can shield people who I expect to get hit. Yeah. And when they get hit, it stacks up damage until the end of the scene. That means I can hit with any of my ray or area of effects and choose one person that's affected by them and nuke them. Is that release an attack action? I think it should be. No, I think you do the attack. And then you you just add it on? You add it on. See, like, <sighs> this is this is a really good, or it could be a heal. Oh, that makes it See, even better! This Holy is a, shit! This is I like. Nobody's I, picking radiance. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. this is really good, but I don't because I'm I'm not a min maxer. I'm not in it. So like, yeah. I'm just saying. Let's say I'm in a scenario where we're about to run a game, and everyone's picking tank. Everyone's picking whatever the fuck, and then I'm going. We don't have a healer. If I don't pick healer, we're all fucked. I'm not typically a healer. I don't typically do this, but I but I'm going to do this to play the game, and I'll I'll make something up on the spot. And I'm reading this thing. Some everything that you just described is amazing, but I feel like for a for your core thing, the first thing you get, it's like three steps of planning ahead of of what I would expect from a core thing. The shielding is enough. Yeah, the shielding is immediate, and then any damage the shield takes, you get a save, and you're like, all right, I'm gonna hang on to that three damage it did to my shields, and then I can do a ray through a group of people and decide one person that it affects, whether it's healing to an ally or damage to an enemy. I think, I think once, once you play, you can then see the potential, but if you're just reading it on the sheet, you may not get it as fast. I'm actually fine with that, especially for support classes, because to make support classes feel as fun and read as fun as straight damage classes. You know what? You have to make them twice as good. As, as, as I was just say, you, you know straight what? up have to. I probably am overthinking it because the most important thing is like it's like you just said, it's an immediate shield. So even if I don't even realize that I can stack it up, 
Or you'll, if I, or you'll, if I, you'll do it anyway. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, okay, well, uh, shield you. Oh, I just saved you. And then you're like, all right, you just earned awesome. that much stuff. And it's like, oh, wait a minute. I can cash that in. And mm-hmm. Imagine this duo on its own. Max Citadel, six armor, step one. Yeah, so, max so composure. Double, double, double Citadel, yeah. max armor. Max composure, double radiance. You have to do 11 damage to a player character to damage them. And you will be banking four damage or four healing at any time. That's if you a, max it out. That's already, yeah. Unless you're doing no damage, that's a functional two-man group. Yeah, yeah. And that's dope. I think I have concerns that it may be too powerful. Can you put it on yourself? No. No. Yeah. You You have to touch somebody. Yeah. Can you heal yourself with your burst, though? I think you should be able to. Your burst, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Put it in, and then we'll just play test it. All right. Yeah, let's do it. That's what the whole fucking show's about. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm actually. Well, the whole thing is tanks and support characters. I'm the least worried of making broken ones because if they're just good, having five tanks, if you take no damage, it's still a boring, shitty game, and no one will do that. Even if it's really easy, if it's when you make a DPS character that is just unreasonable, right? Then you can just have five people who do forty damage a turn, yeah. and you can do it on the first turn. That'll make anything a meat grinder, no matter what. And he was just like, "Well, like, why the fuck am I even playing this game if he's running through him? You know, like, whatever. That's mm-hmm. this might be too good, but it's not first term over too good. Yeah. If it's too good, we've got ways to yeah, change to it. mitigate yeah. it. Yeah. Because you have to bank it, it might make an abrupt end to an encounter, but it's not going to make an abrupt encounter. All right. So the last topic for this episode, I've got some shit that I'm going to move to the next episode. Is the subject of rituals so magic we don't have a good framework yet for how magic with a k is going to work for casting prepared spells like Uh spells you really have to work for so i only want to introduce three different kinds of spells right now and then what we can talk about adding other ones later illusion conjuring and revelation all right how do you how do you define conjuring and revelation so conjuring you are casting a spell that creates something if that makes sense. Revelation gives you information? Gives you information. And illusion makes something, but it's not real. And I'm guessing it's easier to make something that's not real than real. Thank you for bringing that up. Here's things that complicate casting an illusion spell. All right. How long it's going to last. The size of the illusion and the number of people affected. Okay. Ooh, really? Yes. You make a good illusion and so, the amount of people who view it affect its difficulty. Well, I'm thinking this. Okay, I want to create an illusion where I look a certain way, but I only really care if one person perceives from me that one, way. Right. From if, one point of view. If the king looks at me and thinks that I am clean and sober and mm-hmm. worthy of his daughter's um, hand. Exactly. But everybody else disapproves, and the king's like, I don't see what's yeah. wrong with... You look, you, you <laughs> exactly. You, so it's like, All right. you're, so you're just trying to convince him that you look good. You're not coming in the throne like Prince Ali Ababwa and, right. you know, I, and fooling everybody. I want to simplify that slightly because I don't want it to. Is it going to increase in difficulty for each person seeing it by the level of group? I would think. A person, a small group, a large group, a crowd. City, you know. Well, I think that generally, if you're trying to make an illusion on a large scale, generally, it only needs to last for a moment. Yeah, that's not the question I asked. No, no, no. But that leads me into the answer to your question. Yeah. But if you want to affect one person permanently, that's that might be harder. Oh, that's way harder. Permanently, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 okay. yeah. Yeah. My point is the scaling of when we're determining difficulty, is the actual amount of people describing how hard it is or general group? I think if you want to specify, then it's more difficult. Okay. Like Ooh. if you like so for example, like just to compare, if I say I want to stand in the town center in broad daylight with everyone looking at me because I say that I'm going to do this thing to prove that I'm all-powerful and that you shouldn't mess with me or my friends, I'm going to say, I can command lightning to strike me and it won't kill me, but it's just an illusion. But everybody has to see it. That is difficult, but not as difficult as convincing one person that I have a third eye in my head. You and know? they will always see me that way. they will always way. see me that way. Yeah. yeah. That's, I, th- I agree. Always. I yeah. agree. Like a, okay. a lightning strike in front of a million people is way, well, not way, but like because easier. Because it's an instant. Exactly. It's only yeah. for that one thing. Yeah, yeah. Okay. okay. We feel good about that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll deal with the mechanics of it maybe next episode. But I feel like these are the parameters. So these, sure. will, these are the things that will change the difficulty of something. Conjuring. 
the mass of the thing yes sure is a complicating factor sure making a pillow should be easier than making a brick yes the complexity of the thing you're going to create yes if you want to create a watch it's a lot more difficult than creating a, an equivalent size lump of stone sure. yes yeah and the rarity making it gold is is harder than making it out of sand sand yeah yeah sure that th- how do you how do you see establishing the the difficulty i don't when you have all of those like not yet i don't i don't have an like, answer like a table or a reference table or something or yes so uh, you'd go like the mass between these weights and between these weights and between these weights will increase the difficulty by yeah. this amount the complexity and you'll give examples yeah between these amounts and the rarity you give examples between right. these amounts and i think rarity you would attach to value but values can change material value yeah so like complexity it's, can it's, can change the rarity because of how complex the thing you want is but sure. the value of the materials involved is an extra but, there, but you matter. might go to an island where if you go to an island where diamonds are literally all over the ground and they don't value it suddenly just because i'm on this island i can make diamonds easier well no i think we pick a worldwide yeah standard we would decide it by the world like if you if you travel to an area where they have all the copper where, ever yeah why why are you conjuring copper yeah <laughs> like, i'm just i'm just yeah. saying it's like the, the proximity to a to a no. to an idea no. changes the value i think things have a, a certain rarity in our setting and the rarity of those materials in our setting changes the difficulty of conjuring yes. them. Now, and it, get, it should get to a point where you're like, well, things are, I mean, I know they're extremely rare in the world, but where we are, we can actually just go get one. Because, like, if I'm in a copper mine and I want to make a copper coin, shouldn't it be easier than if I'm in the Arctic and want to make a copper coin? No. I think you should just go mine it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, I just, the, the, the example, as I'm saying, as far as the difficulties. Yeah, so, because so I, I think, no, I think you're better off mining it. I think if you're in an area where copper is plentiful, why are you wasting your time trying to conjure it? I'm just it? saying as an example right. of the level no, no, of difficulty. I, I, and I'm engaging with your example. I, yeah. I have another example. You have the raw copper you need to conjure a specifically complex thing. Like a cog in a machine? Yeah. And you're like, I want to make a watch out of copper. I have a lump of copper. Does that make it easier? I think that should. I because because you should. Have to, for a ritual, because we were talking ah, before about you okay. got to get ingredients. Now you're not talking about conjuring. Oh, Okay. So you don't need the copper anymore. No. You need to alter it. Yes. So that's like a transmutation. All right. Alteration. Alteration. That kind of thing. We're not going to deal with that right now. Okay. Yes. You're pulling it out of thin air is what we're saying. Yeah. We're saying you are are creating it from ether. Gotcha. You you, you You are using magic to form something you you are the replicator on the enterprise would components matter at all in this you mean like you having to gather components Uh, i'm i'm saying like oh i want to make this thing out of gold but i have a lead lump that's a good question should you have to gather equivalent mass i don't know i think you should but alchemy is one of these side steps so if you have a lump of lead have the alchemist transfer it over into gold. Meanwhile, you're prepping for the spell over here. But the alchemy, worth. okay, alchemy in the way you're talking about it is magical. Yeah. Not in the way that we've discussed it sure. in this campaign. Okay. Yeah. I mean, if I've got a lump of lead, I'm like, well, I can make 1,600 super rare watches, you mm-hmm. know, like out of out of this giant lump of lead that didn't cost me anything. And it's like, well, no, it's a lot more complicated than that. Yeah. Like, I almost don't want Conjuration to make something out of nothing i would like the idea that it needs to be of the similar mass and you shift it how about this instead equivalent value Ooh, i like that so it's almost like full metal alchemist yeah rules oh shit i don't have this we i keep using watch because it's a complex yeah, little it's thing easy everyone understands right right so this artisan watch costs 1500 diron we don't have any of the materials to make it but i do have this sword that i'm not using that's worth 1500 diron. and has the mass it's not an automatic success. No. I, I need that minimum to attempt this. Now like I'm going that. to try to conjure it, something. But things things will change in value depending on where you are. This is, no. this is the objective value. There is a world value of... Yeah, I mean, we, we, we have an like, equipment right, sheet that will yeah. tell you how much something's worth. Yeah, we get to set right, an yeah, objective yeah, okay. Fair value. Enough. All right, yeah. I'm getting too literal and realistic yeah. with it. Like, we, we, and also, when you calculate trade value based on where you are, we're going to look at an objective value that we have set and then put 25%. Like, yeah, they'd be like, things cost this much more here and this yeah. much less, you know, depending on this the is, kind of that, item. This is a gamification yeah. sure, segment sure. heavily because uh, you know what I don't want to do? Construct a whole set of rules to simulate yeah, yeah, an no economy. I don't. 
I'm just eager to find loopholes. <laughs> yeah. All. No, please do. So I think equivalent value, but we're talking objective value. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, sure. So and, not not region specific. Okay. And, and I also want to say this. This podcast does not necessarily ascribe to the concept in reality of objective value. No, absolutely but not. But we need this in this game to it. To Otherwise, it to there's no rules for anything. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Magic isn't real. Neither are gods. We're, Ob- we are objective value rule. is a concept yeah. that we are presenting in this game. Okay. It's funny we didn't have any of these questions for illusion. Like, well, because an illusion's an illusion is an yeah. illusion, yeah. right? It's, and, and, it's a hologram. The, they're all they're like, all equally fake. <laughs> and you would like, would it be more difficult to affect one person permanently or a group momentarily? You're like one person permanently. Yeah, like we yeah. don't we don't disagree on that yeah, at all. Yeah. Okay, a revelation, extenuating factors that make it more difficult. Yes, the farther in the future, I'm guessing the area that it, you are trying to divine might be more difficult. Because of things about that area. The complexity of the info. If you need something more than a yes or a no on a question that is simpler, more complicated. The distance between you and the area that you're trying to, or or the person you're trying to get info on. Of course. The amount of time that has passed between you casting the ritual and the event, Mm -hmm. whether before or after. And any effort that has been taken to ward against revelation i want to add a thing to that let's hear it i think the unpredictability i want to bring it back to momentum i want the concept of momentum to exist throughout a lot of things there are people who are determinative and they are and like basic npcs are in my mindscape of how i describe almost the philosophy of the game there are npcs they are determinative the bigger of a mover or shaker you are i think the more momentum in the game you have finding out what a, a peasant is doing on his farm should be easier than figuring out what the big bad is but, doing. But the peasant on the farm isn't going to have like wards on their mind. To no, no, no. Themselves. Unpredictability and your importance to the story. The idea that what you're doing will and can affect it should be represented. So is that functionally different than the poor term that I used for area? Yes. Because okay. I think area is the span of the the a physical the, distance yeah the, was i think no no no, 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 no distance, distance is a, is an the, extenuating factor the span oh, okay so when you're thinking area you're also thinking anything the, within the, inside this cone of influence or the, whatever but also the breadth of what you're looking at okay yes. now that you describe it that way i am okay more okay with that but so, i think but, but I when think area mean, i also mean and i, I should, we should find another term for this but the indiv- the, the individual the yes. depth of the knowledge you're, that you're trying you, to if get. you're trying to if you're trying to follow an individual the area is very small yeah but if that person does a lot of shit it makes it more difficult yeah i don't think area is the correct it's not the correct term but like if you're like i want to know if a group of troops entered this area yeah i think that's relatively easy but if i want to know where what did might... this guy say to those troops when they came through exactly that's different a very question. well that's also yeah. complexity of info also yeah. where is this merchant is a much larger question than where is this surf yeah so let's say and just simply, is this person lying is way simpler than how much of that is a lie. Yeah. You know. Or then what is the truth? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Very, di- yeah, yeah. very different. It's not a lie if you believe it. It's not a lie if truth is not objective. So instead of area, we'll say target. <laughs> I, the complexity I, 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 of the target. Yes. I like that. Or the yes. or goal even. Because if your target is a person or a, a thing and your goal is to get... I think the kind are, of information. Well, those okay, are fairly here's interchangeable. Let's say you're following a powerful mage. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's difficult because this person's a powerful mage because their fate is tied up in complex oh, ways. Their their options. Yes. Any decision they make. But if you want to say, I'm going to cast a spell that will alert us if this mage enters this city is way easier than... If the mage talks to the king, I want to know what he says. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Implicitly, yes. Right. Okay. So I think we're on the same page there. So I got... Oh, no. We're talking about nuts and bolts. Yeah. 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 We are are at nuts and bolts. Okay. So things that make it more difficult. The target can make it more difficult. Uh The level of complexity of what you want to know. The distance between you and the target can make it more difficult. The time delay, whether it happened a long time ago or it's going to happen... A long time from now. Temporal proximity. Temporal yeah. distance. Physical distance, temporal distance. Right. Yeah. Any defenses or wards against sure. anybody finding out. Which could range from things they've cast on themselves to just like... Whispering. 
To or, or yeah, <laughs> like or just oh, this is a giant magical mountain full of magic that's magic that like, yeah. you fucks see, up everything. So we, de- we decided to have the conversation in this place because it is magically nebulous. Yeah, and to, and to be more directly to the example you just gave, we we're in the king's court and we're asking for help to fight whatever. We see the assistant come in, whisper something to the king, and the king then says, "I'm sorry, I can't do that." We leave, and I go, "We need to find out what he whispered yeah. to him." It's it was just Ooh. moments ago. But it was a whisper, as yep, opposed I, to if the guy comes in, he goes, "My lord, you have a message, whatever." So, you know, so I, I do want to say you don't, this. you don't take penalties for it for it having happened in the past. It was very recent. Yeah, proximity. You right was, there. It happened yeah. in front of you. Yeah, yeah. I think the pro- if you were, I think distance should also not count if you were there to witness it. Yes, rewitnessing things is easier, easier than yeah. than we things you there. are not a part of. Yeah. However, the fact that. It was whispered. Yes, means it's difficult. Yes, and if the target is particularly influential, yeah, makes it more difficult. Makes it difficult. So we need a yes. way to rank targets, but that's going to come with our difficulty. Yeah, rating later. I, I would also like it to like have no more than five levels, just for simplicity. Don't sake. don't put yeah. that on yeah. it. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. One of the things I like about the system that we're deriving now is. Uh, I haven't had to count other than HP and damage. I haven't had to count to double digits. That's yeah, nice. Okay, that's but, super but nice. You could easily imagine a system where we say like, oh, because 100. this person meets these things, he's a twelve. Yeah, and the next guy is a seventeen. But if we create, I just don't a system, want it to be a thousand. Well, what I'm, I'm saying, saying is, if the system is linear enough, it it, it might be less complicated than something like CR seven. Yes. You know. Okay. Well, I feel pretty good. About those, at least. I want to bring up the rest later, which I think are things like uh, counter magic. Protection magic. Yeah, well, I think that would fall into it, right? Like ways to dispel, sense magic, that kind of thing. Decurse. Yeah. Unravel. Yeah, dispel. Like, I feel like everything we just mentioned is one school. Yes. That's one kind of magic that we can create rules. Yeah, we can create rules to... Defense against the dark arts. Do you you guys remember the the trailer we never made? Yeah, yeah. I've thought about that concept a lot, by the way. <laughs> Genghis Khan being raised from the dead. Yeah, but also just the idea of, like, can't cast magic. All I do is unravel magic. Yeah. That's the only thing I do. And they're like, oh, you can't, like, make a fireball? And they're like, God, no. Well, all right, guys, we covered a lot of ground. we still got a lot more to go, obviously. We've got Always. more world building to do that we didn't even get to tonight that I didn't bring up because there was no way we were getting into it. So I just want to thank Doug for showing up. Yo. Max was sick tonight, if you were wondering. He he was not feeling well enough to join us. He has the child flu. Yes. But we really appreciate you guys listening. Um, you can always find us on our Patreon at patreon.com slash RPGFS. Please comment. Even if you're not a patron, we'd love to hear what you think. Also, stop messaging me and telling me that you like the episode. You could just put it on the Patreon. And then all of us can reply. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, we're on patreon.com slash RPGFS. And we're on Facebook at facebook.com slash RPGFS. And we're on Instagram at RPG from Scratch, all one word. And we're also on Twitter at Homebrew Ombres. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, stay safe, stand watch, and get a full rest. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.